All right. We're going to get into tonight Babylon. Are you ready to get into Revelations? The fall of Babylon. As a matter of fact, Babylon bites the dust. Well, somebody's looking forward to that. Let's see what we've got here. Let's go ahead and pray. I'm going to let you be seated, and then we'll get right into it. Lord, I just thank you for the Word of God tonight that lives. Lord, your Word is an awesome Word. It is just an incredible Word. It's a true Word. It's a prophetic Word. And Lord, we come before your Word tonight in trembling and thanksgiving that you have given us such a sure word of prophecy that even in these closing moments of this dispensation of grace, we can see that you already saw what's coming. And so, Lord, we thank you for it, and we pray you'll make your word live to our hearts tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me in the name of Jesus Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good tonight. Amen. I tell you, I love the Lord's Word. I can't wait to get into it every day. It speaks to me. It blesses me. It increases my faith. It holds me up. It strengthens me. And I know that it's the Word of God, not the Word of men. Though men penned it, they were moved by the Holy Spirit under divine inspiration And every word is the word of God. And not one jot or tittle shall pass away until all be fulfilled. And that's the promise of God. Amen? All right. Now, tonight, we saw last time that John's prediction of ancient Rome being revived in the last days. Remember that last time? That ancient Rome is going to be revived in the last days. If you missed last week, get that CD. Because you need to follow along. We're going through the whole book. And we're really getting pretty close to the end. Got about four or five weeks to go and we're done. Can you believe that? Went through the book of Revelation. But we saw that John predicted the revival again of ancient Rome in the last days. That it would come to be through a ten-nation confederacy or a beast with ten heads. A head is a picture of a ruler, a king of authority. So that's talking about ten rulers, ten-nation confederacy. And we saw... This has already begun to come about through the European Union of today. Mark it down. If you're a reader of the news, keep up with that. If you've got access to the Internet, go to some conservative news sites and read about this. Google, you know, prophetic news sites, and they'll keep you up on this kind of thing. Don't trust most of the major networks. Matter of fact, I'm not a bumper sticker guy, but I might get one. It goes like this. I don't believe the liberal media. When it comes to politics or religion, take what they say with a tablespoon of salt. It's skewed, twisted, turned most of the time. Now that's free, and that has nothing to do with revelations. All right. Now, you can look at the European Union of today, follow it, It consists of 10 full member nations right now. This political entity is what the Antichrist will harness and he will use to come into power during the Great Tribulation. He will rise out of that European confederacy or will come into primary rulership of the European confederacy. That is a revival of ancient Rome. We also saw what John called the great harlot. Remember that? What is the great harlot? 
The great harlot is an apostate religious system. It's happening before our eyes this week, if I can be so bold. The Lutherans sold out. Threw the word out the door. So they were now open to ordaining, practicing active homosexual people. Now, am I saying that? Does that make me... Does that mean that I'm against homosexuals? No. But it's like if you were to put anybody practicing open sin in spiritual leadership, it would be wrong. And so this week the Lutherans went. And we're watching before our eyes, in my opinion, an apostasy of the church. Now, there's a lot of the church that's true. You're real, I trust. We worship the living God. We worship Jesus Christ. And we live according to the teachings of the Bible. But there is right now underfoot an apostasy from the faith once delivered to the saints that Jude warned us about and many other places in the Bible. Paul, the day will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers that have itching ears. Now, not just the teachers that have the itching ears, it's the people that have the itching ears and they want to be taught according to that which will scratch their itch. Not what the Word says. And they will turn away from the faith and be taught doctrines of demons. That's happening before our eyes. Now, what's going to happen is there is going to arise an apostate religious superchurch in the last days. I believe we're seeing the formation of it right now. The media will love this church. will say good things about this church. We'll get behind it and push it. Because the secular media has the bad habit of getting behind anything that the Word of God is against when it comes to spiritual issues. So no, the great harlot, this apostate religious system will appear beautiful on the outside, impressive, educated, suave, spiritual, but they will be wicked and vile on the inside. This harlot is seen to be drunk with the blood of God's saints. This harlot apostate church will be actively involved in persecuting the true church or the true believers during the tribulation period. The church will be gone. But there will be tribulation saints, people who have been saved during the tribulation. God will be moving even during the tribulation period while all the judgments are being poured out. And those that believe will be persecuted by this harlot apostate religious super church that will come into power with the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be political. This church will be religious and together they will deceive the world. Clearly the harlot will be used by the Antichrist to persecute and kill true believers. John saw the harlot being carried on the back of the beast. They will be a demonic team. One political, the other religious and John says this church, so-called, is literally drunk with the blood of martyrs. Now that's going to matter as we finish out this book. You're going to see how much it matters. John ends chapter 17 describing the fate of the harlot. Look what happens to this harlot church about halfway through the tribulation period. John says in Revelation 17, 15 through 17, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute or the harlot religious system sits are peoples, 
multitudes, nations, and languages. That is showing worldwide influence of this apostate church. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. The beast and the confederacy of nations that are with the Antichrist, who is the beast, will decide they don't want this apostate religious church anymore. My guess is because the Antichrist will not want anything or anyone worshipped other than himself. They will themselves turn on her about halfway through the tribulation. John says, and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. That is, the Antichrist with his political system, the ten-nation, ten-headed beast, will turn on this super church and shut it down and destroy it. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. And that's talking about Rome. In John's day, this was Rome. And remember, Rome is revived in the last days. So he's just simply once again letting us know he's talking about a revived Roman empire. So the day will come when the Antichrist turns on the harlot religious system as we've already said, because he himself wants to be the center of worship. At that moment, the great harlot false religious system is completely destroyed, and that's it. Now we come to chapter 18. Now, whereas chapter 17 shows the appearance of the great harlot, the apostate religious system, and her destruction at the hands of Antichrist, chapter 18 shows the destruction of a literal, real, geographical Babylon. Now, let's talk about this Babylon thing for a minute. It's extremely interesting. There is a spiritual Babylon. Remember we talked about it last time? The apostate religious church of the last days is a type of spiritual religious Babylon because Babylon represents rebellion and apostasy from God. So when you hear the word Babylon or read it in the Bible, especially when there's a spiritual parallel, it's always talking about rebellion against God what God did not decree, what God did not birth. But there is a literal, physical Babylon all through the Bible, a capital city accompanied by a system and culture that comes under judgment in chapter 18. So therefore, there is a physical, literal, geographical Babylon alive and well in the last days during the Great Tribulation. The city of Babylon will be the Antichrist or the center of the Antichrist world kingdom. So, Pastor Jeff, why does this matter to me? Because Babylon is being revived right now. That's why it matters to you. I'm giving you things to watch for in the news. This is really powerful stuff. Chapter 18 focuses on the social, financial, and commercial destruction of this last great government on earth, the Babylonian government. Now, look at Revelation 18, first three verses. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority. Here comes another angel. Everybody say angels are real. Man, I'll tell you, there's angels everywhere in the book of Revelation. So integrally involved in the last day judgments of God. And here comes another one coming down from heaven with great authority. And the earth grew bright with his splendor. That's why these people tell me, oh, yeah, an angel came into my bedroom last night and talked to me. I say, no, they didn't. 
Because when a real angel comes on the scene, you on your face, trembling, praying you don't die. Because look, this angel grew bright and the earth grew bright just from his splendor. Glorious angel. And look what he, he gave a mighty shout. And what did he shout? Read it with me. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for what, everyone? Demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit. I wouldn't want to live there. A hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. Now this angel is making a terrible pronouncement over this Babylon, this geographical place. For all the nations, look at what happened now. All the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Now that's talking spiritually speaking. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. That means the kings of the world have been influenced by this city Babylon, have come under her spell, have done business with her, have been corrupted by her. Very important we catch this now. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and it goes on, because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. So Babylon, the Babylon that's coming, that's going to rise up again, this Babylon, he's letting us know that it's going to be hugely materialistic and corruptive of the whole world, very influential. Now let's catch up a little bit on Babylon here. From Genesis to Revelation, the name Babylon has come up again and again, all over the Holy Scriptures. Babylon is referred to as a literal, physical, great city more than once in the book of Revelation as well. Look at all the verses where Babylon is mentioned as a literal place. Now most prophecy scholars as well believe that the Babylon of chapter 18 is going to be an actual commercial city. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. If so, it has to be talking about the Babylon currently located in Iraq. Everybody say, the Bible knows what's coming. Because look at this now. This is amazing. Have you ever wondered why Iraq has been such a source of intense conflict? So berated, so criticized, so come against by the media? Most people have no idea the crucial role Iraq has played in the Bible. Let me show you some of the main places in history where Iraq has played a huge role. The Garden of Eden was in Iraq. Adam and Eve were created in Iraq. Satan made his first recorded appearance in Iraq. Nimrod established Babylon and the Tower of Babel was built in Iraq. The confusion of the languages took place in Iraq. Abraham came from a city called Ur in Iraq. Isaac's bride came from Iraq. So good things can come from Iraq. Jacob spent 20 years serving Laban in Iraq. The first world empire, Babylon, was in Iraq. It was in Iraq that Daniel was thrown to the lions and where he saw the Lord in his glory over the Tigris River in Iraq. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also there, and this is where they were thrown into the flames 
in Iraq. Everybody say, Iraq matters. Look at all the times it has played a crucial role. Now, let's go on. The greatest revival in history was in a city in Iraq, Nineveh. And I looked at that this week. I just happened to run across that in my devotionals. The shortest revival sermon in history, eight words. Jonah, after being vomited up out of the whale's belly, went into Nineveh, which was in Iraq, with a one-sentence message. Eight words. You can look it up. And they all repented, all of them, from the greatest to the least, with eight words repeated over and over again. Something to the effect, soon Nineveh will be overthrown if you don't repent. Something like that. And they repented. And where did that happen? It happened in Iraq. The events of the book of Esther took place in Iraq. Ezekiel was there when the glory of God was seen in his fullness by the Kiber River, another river. It happened there in Iraq. Babylon was in Iraq. The book of Nahum took place in Iraq. And the book of Revelation has prophecies against Babylon, which was the old name for the current nation of Iraq. Now, I'm going to say that again. I want you to get this. The prophecies against Babylon, when we read about Babylon in Revelations, that's the old name for the current nation of Iraq. Amen. Y'all are quiet. The wheels are turning. So let's try it again. Iraq matters. And is Iraq going to come to play in the last days, in the Great Tribulation? You better believe it. So in Iraq, we see this. Let's just recap this. The beginning of creation, the beginning of satanic evil. I love that visual there. I don't know where they found it. It looks like the devil moving a mouse around and playing with a computer. The beginning of salvation history with Abraham was in Iraq. No wonder Iraq is on the world stage like it is. Is this not a place where our Lord and His glory is still involved? I want you to understand, folks, He is. Things began here, and maybe things will end here. Maybe this is why such ferocious battles have taken place here, why there was so much resistance over its freedom, such hatreds, such strongholds, and why right now there is such satanic activity in Iraq because it is a key place in Bible history in the last days. Very crucial. Now, will Iraq actually be inhabited again? I want you to say with me, yes. And it is inhabited, of course. But will it flourish? Yes. Will it play a key role in end-time prophecy? Remember that. In 1983, let's look at what's been happening just lately. Saddam Hussein in 83 started rebuilding Babylon on top of the old ruins, investing in both restoration and new construction. He inscribed his name on many of the bricks in imitation of Nebuchadnezzar. In 1983, one frequent inscription reads this, that Hussein did. He said, this was built by Saddam Hussein, son of Nebuchadnezzar, he called himself, to glorify Iraq. Saddam Hussein, in his sort of demented state of mind, believed that he was somehow attached to Nebuchadnezzar, and maybe spiritually he was. So, as we speak right now, plans are already underway to rebuild the ancient city of Babylon, which the Bible said would happen and that Babylon would be inhabited again and it would be a commercial city again. So let's move on and see what's going on right now. Members of the brigade's 2nd Battalion, 
28th Infantry Regiment recently escorted a group of U.S. heritage tourism experts to the ruins for the first of several visits to develop a preservation and tourism plan for Babylon. Now the rapidly improving security situation in the surrounding Babel province has persuaded the U.S. State Department and the Iraqi State Board of Antiquities and Heritage to embark on the preservation project dubbed the Future of Babylon Project. Revelations 18, John said it's going to be a commercial city again by the Spirit of God. Now look what's happening in the last days as the final grains of sand fall through the hourglass of time. Look at this. Joel Rosenberg, in his best-selling nonfiction book, Epicenter 2.0, which you ought to read, it's great, wrote about the Bible prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation that indicate the ancient city of Babylon in Iraq will, in fact, be rebuilt in the last days and become the wealthiest and most powerful city on the face of the planet. Can it be? Will it be? Iraq? That backward place ruled and held captive by Hussein all those years? Yes, it will. But God has a word of warning to believers located there in the last days, and these will be tribulation saints, not the church. We're gone, thank God. But here's the word of warning to believers located there in the last days. He commands them to come out of her and flee from the midst of Babylon, and each of you save his life before he destroys Babylon. Now, I'm going to tell you something, church. I've been going through Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets, and I'm going to tell you something. When God zeroes in on a nation and says it's over, nothing can be done. It's over. And God not only speaks destruction over this final great city of Babylon, He's telling us it's going to reappear and be rebuilt and be commercialized before it ever happens. And God is saying, John predicts that this great city, along with its culture and considerable financial strength, will be completely destroyed. Revelations 18, 4-7 says, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven. And God remembers her evil deeds. Remember when God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? He went to Abraham and he said, I'm about to go down there, me and it was three angels. And some surmise it was the Godhead, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But it was three angels at the very least. They said, we're going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and see if the cry that has come up to heaven about Sodom and Gomorrah is true. And if it's true, we're going to destroy it. And I've been sharing with you folks on Wednesday nights about the wrath of God. In our day, we hear a lot about the love of God. We need to. That's great. But if you love perfectly, you also hate perfectly. God loves people perfectly, but he hates sin perfectly. And not only is he a God of love, but he's a God of holiness. And an individual or a city like Sodom and Gomorrah or a nation can sin so much that it has an accumulative effect. It builds up. It grows. Until God says, because I hate sin and can't allow sin to reach past a certain level, I've got to pour out wrath. 
And what is the book of Revelation? It is God saying the world has reached the place where it wouldn't repent if I gave it a thousand years. I can't take it anymore. I can't allow it anymore. It can't cross this line any further. I'm going to judge the whole world. And this is what's going to happen with Babylon. Come away from her, my people. Don't take part in her sins or you'll be punished with her. Why? Her sins are piled, accumulated as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. Remember what we talked about Sunday? What you sow, you reap. You sow what you reap, more than you reap, later than you reap. What you sow, you reap, more than you reap. Look what he says right here. They're going to get double for everything they did to others. And notice the word terror used. And I personally believe God is addressing terrorism in the book of Revelation. He doesn't waste words. and He doesn't mince words. And look what he says. She brewed a cup of terrorism for others. So brew twice as much for her. Everybody say with me, you're going to get it if you get in the way of God. Now look, it goes on. She glorified herself and lived in luxury. So match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne, I'm no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. God is saying here, as she sowed, so shall she reap. Remember, God is not mocked, everybody. Whatever a person sows, that shall he also reap. So what we're seeing in the book of Revelation is people reaping what they've sown. And there's no getting away from it. Reaping what they've sown. By the way, that word mocked, you know what that means? It means to turn your nose up at. It says you can't turn your nose up at God and get away with it. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Now let's look at what's happening to them. John, therefore lays out her doom. Look what's going to happen to this commercial city of Babylon. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her. How soon, everybody? In one day. When judgment comes, it comes suddenly. Notice this. It's going to happen in a day. Death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by what? By fire. For the Lord God who judges her is what, everyone? Mighty. See, now it's going to tell us why he's doing this. It's clear that the catastrophe described here has never yet been fulfilled in all of Babylon's history, re-Babylonian history. This event being described in Revelation 18 has never happened. It's brand new. So we can't say, well, that happened in Babylon before. It's never happened. This is coming in the future. It will become commercialized. It has oil. It has wealth. It is going to grow. It's going to become a tourism spot. People are going to move there. It's going to flourish. And it's going to become influential over all the earth. But it's going to be full of terror, full of materialism, full of sin, full of idolatry, full of the occult. And God says one day in the tribulation period, I'm going to destroy it in a day, in a day, suddenly. Three times the expression, one hour, occurs, indicating a sudden and total destruction. And you know what I'm thinking here. You're probably thinking the same thing. The final capital is going to be consumed by fire in a short span of time, reminiscent of a nuclear inferno. You know, man's never devised, never created a weapon he didn't use. 
There isn't a weapon man has ever created that he didn't use. And man's going to use the bomb. It's going to happen, everybody. And I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. It's just so clear in the book of Revelations. It's so crystal clear. It's going to be used. How do you destroy a huge commercial city in one hour? It's going to happen. Now, it's going to cause a huge repercussion. Monarchs, merchants, and sea captains are going to be caught up in the Holocaust destruction. Look at Revelations 18, 9, and 10. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will what, everyone? Wail. You know, I'm going to be so glad to get into chapter 19 next week when we're into heaven. Because this is doom and gloom, weeks and weeks and weeks, but it's going to happen. And it ought to motivate you to go out and witness for Jesus to everything moving. I mean, invite people to church, invite them to the Lord, because these things are coming as surely as you're sitting in that chair. So next week, we begin heaven. Everybody say glory to God. But now, let's look at this. This is the final really dark chapter in the book. The kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will wail for her as they see the smoke rising from the charred remains from the ocean. These are ships that are in the ocean watching from a distance as this city burns and smokes and is destroyed. Look at verse 10. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon. You great city, in a single moment, God's judgment came on you suddenly. The word translated wail means a loud lamentation as opposed to silent weeping. This is loud. This is major because they had all their money in this city. They've been trading with this city. They had all their stock in this city. This city was a major city of the world and all of their commerce had been moving through this city, trading with this city, importing, exporting, John shows the impact of Babylon's destruction reverberating in all the financial markets. This is going to cause a worldwide financial collapse. There will be a total financial cave-in. Revelations 11 through 13 says, The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods, nobody to import their goods. She bought great quantities. Talking about Babylon. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze, iron, and marble. In other words, this Babylon, a huge importer of rich merchandise from all over the world is suddenly wiped out. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and notice, slaves. And the Bible says, and the souls of men. Though this city, hugely materialistic and obviously extremely wealthy, this city, Babylon, that's going to be rebuilt, is evil at the core. And apparently trades in slavery. Now notice this last on the list, this most disturbing to me, was slaves, and John says, and the souls of men. The souls of men. 
It's been estimated that one-third of Rome's population was enslaved. And it was not unusual for 10,000 human beings to be auctioned off in one day in the great slave markets of the empire. Terrible slavery. Slavery's always been a grotesque sin. And there were probably over 60 million slaves throughout the empire of Rome. Think about that. 60 million. People who were treated like pieces of furniture, bought and sold, used and abused. Is John suggesting that there will in the end times be a return to slavery? Maybe not in the ancient sense, maybe so. But certainly we can see that an increasing loss of freedom in our world today. Have you noticed that? I mean, you know what? There's a lot of people in this church right now who are slaves to credit cards. You're dancing to that piper's tune. You're enslaved until you get out of it. And our world is increasingly today enslaving people. Persons are bought and sold, even traded by athletic teams. And our great corporations more and more seek to control the lives of their officers and workers. How many of you that work for a corporation sort of feel like you're a slave? Your boss might be here. Careful, put the hand up about halfway. I'm pointing something out here that this Babylon, this commercial city that's going to be raised up again right there in Iraq is going to enslave people to the level that they also enslave their souls. As people become more and more enslaved to luxury with more bills to pay, they find themselves unable to break loose from the system. Our nation right now is almost totally enslaved to other nations. you know that? We're almost owned by China, Japan, you name it. We're going to be in about nine to ten trillion dollars of debt in ten years. Do you know how much money that is? Forget it. Are you ready? Let me just drop a stat on you. Right now, if we stop right now, it would take us 35,000 years to get out of debt. Where are we going to be when we're 9 and 10 trillion in debt? We're going to be owned. Owned by China, owned by Japan. The American dollar is going to lose its value. As a matter of fact, currencies all over the world are going to be in trouble, and we're going to go to a one-currency system that Antichrist will take charge of. But notice that hand with a handcuff on the dollar. Is that you? Is that America? You better believe it is. It would take very little imagination to conceive of a universal enslavement under the rule of the beast. I used to wonder how these things could happen that we've been talking about in the last few months. I don't wonder anymore. It's so clear to me. It's so obvious to me how this can happen. We've already seen that he required his mark on everyone who would buy or sell. And he also demanded that all people worship his image. In the great tribulation, you will receive a mark on your hand or on your forehead. And you won't be able to buy or sell. And the whole world will become enslaved to him and his system. He will promise freedom. But he'll put men and women in bondage. He will take advantage of the people's appetites, according to Revelations 18, 14 and use their appetites to enslave them. A good verse to remember is when Paul said, I will not be brought under the control of anything but Jesus Christ. Not a drug, not money, not a person, not anything but Jesus Christ. You say with me, he's my Lord, and I'm enslaved to him, 
Matter of fact, it says you're his servant. That's Greek word doulos, and it means slave. So I'm a slave, but I'm happy to say I'm enslaved to him. And when you're enslaved to him, he sets you free. All right. Hence, Babylon is a perfect description of runaway materialism minus God. Look how quickly it can all be lost. Literally, in a flash, everything can be lost. Revelations 18, 14, the ripe fruits and delicacies for which your soul longed have gone from you. And all your luxuries and dainties, your elegance and splendor are lost to you, never again to be recovered or experienced. Whatever you put in the place of God, two things are going to happen. You'll either grow to hate it or you will lose it. Remember that. Whatever takes the place of God in your life, you'll either grow to hate it or you will lose it. These people here in the last days during the tribulation in this revived Babylon, they have made money and riches their God. And look, in a moment, they lost it and can never get it back. What God gives, God can take away. How many of you know that's true? Even Jeremiah prophesied of God's own people. Jeremiah 8.13 says, I will surely consume them. God talking to Israel because they turned to idols. I will surely consume them. There will be no more harvest of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will all die. And whatever I gave them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, why did God take what they had away from them? Because they put it in the place of God. Listen, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. But seek something else instead of him and all those things will be lost to you. All right, John continues in Revelations 18, 15 through 19. He says, the dealers who handle these articles, who grew wealthy through their business with her, are going to stand a long way off in terror of her doom, weeping and grieving aloud and saying, alas, alas, for the great city that was robed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, bedecked and glittering with gold, with precious stones and with pearls, because in what, everybody? One single hour, all the vast wealth has been destroyed, wiped out. And all ship captains and pilots, navigators, and all who live by seafaring, the crews and all who ply their trade on the sea, stood a long way off and watched this catastrophe. And they exclaimed as they watched the smoke of her burning, what city could be compared to the great city? And they threw their dust on their heads as they wept and grieved, exclaiming, Woe and alas for the great city, where all who had ships on the sea grew rich. We all got rich from her. We all benefited from her. We were connected. Through her extravagance, we became wealthy from her great wealth. In one single hour, there's that phrase again. She has been destroyed and has become what? Say it with me, everyone. A desert. One minute, a great commercial city feeding the whole world. The next, a desert. Well, I'll tell you, the great tribulation, there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. I mean a whole lot of shaking going on. All those who had profited from Antichrist's brief reign are going to mourn the fall of his system. Yet these merchants aren't grieving over Babylon's pain. They're not sitting there going, oh, no, you know, Mr. So-and-so is, is dead. He was burned up in that explosion. No, it's over their own loss 
It's a selfish grieving. They're grieving that their source of money has been destroyed. Then John tells us why this destruction has befallen Babylon. I want you to notice why this Babylon is going to be destroyed. This capital city, the capital of Antichrist. It says in verse 20, rejoice, celebrate over her, O heaven. Now think about this. While everybody on earth is grieving, what's heaven doing? They're rejoicing. And what are they rejoicing about? O saints, people of God and apostles and prophets. Why? Because God has executed vengeance for you upon her. And in her, now notice, in Babylon was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all those who have been slain on earth. Why did God wipe out this commercial city in a moment, in one hour? Because they were drunk with the blood of the saints. They had persecuted God's people. And let me tell you something. Don't touch God's kids. Don't touch God's kids. Because when you put your hand on one of his kids, you put your hand on him. And we're going to see next time these people were beheaded. I find that very interesting. John calls these people beheaded for the cause of Christ. Interestingly, that's what terrorism does to people. That's how they kill them. That's why I believe this Babylon is a city of terrorism. And so God says, you laid your hand on my kids, you martyred my children, you killed them, you tortured them, you beheaded them. That's it. Now I'm going to bring vengeance on you. I personally believe that he feels the same way about aborted children. Fifty million have been killed. And I don't believe that America can go forever and not pay for that. But that's another topic. But I want you to notice, when you lay your hand on the innocent, when you lay your hand on the righteous, God says, that's it. And he gives us the reason in verse 24 why he destroys Babylon. Remember the souls of the martyr that were underneath the altar in heaven? Weeks ago we looked at it, asking how long it would be before their blood was avenged. This is God's vengeance on their behalf. Their destruction will be like Sodom and Gomorrah's. We're going to see, notice as we close out this chapter, six never-agains are pronounced over Babylon. Revelations 18, 21, and 23, here it is. Then a single powerful angel took up a boulder like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, crying with such violence. He takes a big boulder, throws it into the sea. It strikes the sea, causing huge waves, and he says, with just such violence shall Babylon, the great city, be hurled down to destruction and shall, here's the first never again, never again be found. Then he moves on. And the sound of harpists and minstrels and flute players and trumpeters shall never again be heard in you. Translated, the party's over. When God crashes the party, the party's over. All right? Never again going to be heard in you, and no skilled artisan of any craft shall ever again be found in you. And the sound of the millstone shall never again be heard in you. And never again shall the light of a lamp shine in you. You're going to be in darkness. That's it. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride 
shall never be heard in you again. No more weddings. It's over. Nobody's getting engaged in Babylon. This is it. For your businessmen were the great and prominent men of the earth, the Donald Trumps, the Rockefellers, you name it. And by your magic spells, now notice they were in the occult, by your magic spells and poisonous charm, all nations were led astray, seduced and deluded by this Babylon. At this point in Revelation, the political and economic system of the beast has been completely destroyed. Now what we're seeing right here in chapter 18 is the end of the Antichrist system. All that's left is the War of Armageddon. God has brought crashing down the Antichrist's brief, successful control of the earth. All that remains is for Jesus Christ to come from heaven and personally meet and defeat the beast and his armies and wait till we get there. That is a powerful moment. I almost want to go there now, but I can't because I don't have the nose. It's tempting because what we're about to see is, look, he's dismantling the kingdom of the Antichrist. He's rendering it dead. He's destroying it. And this he will do, that is Jesus, and then he's going to establish his righteous kingdom on earth. But here's the important question tonight. Are we citizens of Babylon or citizens of heaven? Amen. Well, that's kind of convincing. Let's try it again. Are we citizens of Babylon or citizens of heaven? That's right. Give the Lord a hand of praise. That's all right. (laughs) Now, can you rejoice tonight because your name is written in heaven? Because I want you to notice, folks, God always brings the wicked down. And what we just saw in chapter 18, you can just write the top of your Bible Right there at chapter 18, when it begins, just write this, the end of Antichrist's kingdom, the end of the world system, because this is it. God brings it down. All that's left is the one last great war. Let's stand together, can we? If you can't say definitively that you're a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, you ought to do it tonight. You ought to do it tonight. And get out of Babylon while the getting is good. This world is becoming more and more Babylonian by the day. More confusing, more warped, more twisted, more lost. Religious institutions are walking away from the word by the day. And yet there is a remnant that is growing and maturing. And getting brighter and brighter. The path of the just is like the shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. God's already told us Babylon's going to be reborn. It's going to be rebuilt. Watch for it in the news. It's going to become a commercial city, but it's not going to honor God. And it's coming down. Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight for your word and we pray in Jesus name that you will help us Lord with all of our hearts to cleave to you help us to walk in the word help us to walk in your truth now if you're here tonight and you say Pastor Jeff I'm not sure I'm right with him I want to be sure that I'm not in Babylon I want you to pray this with me and just say Lord Jesus 
forgive me of my sin. I come to you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name, seal me with your spirit. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand of praise tonight?